0: The final section in relation to the thought of negligence that we're going to look at deals with defences and the burden of proof. Now there are several defences that a defendant can rely on, so we'll look at each of them in turn. First of all, the most straightforward of them is contributory negligence. And where this comes in is, for instance, if the claimant contributes to the accident or In some way, shape or form, the claimant increases the damage, as was seen in Baker and Willoughby. Now, there's a lot of policy that goes into uh, the decisions that court makes in relation to tort cases and public authorities. As such, there is statutory authority, which is available as a defense for public bodies. In most cases, public authorities are provided resources based on a budget, based on an annual stipend that they are allotted. As such, when a claim is being brought by a person, such as in X and Bedfordshire County Council, a case we looked at uh, during duty of care, the resources which have been allocated to the public body comes into question. For instance, the claim by the claimant. If it deals with the selection of the resources itself, which is outside the purview of the public body, and it's pretty much handed over to them, Policy dictates that there will be no liability uh, imposed on the public authority, on the public body. However, if it deals with the actual usage of the resources, perhaps the fact that the public authority had inappropriately used it or not used it at all, then that falls outside the policy because the provision has already been made and therefore liability may apply. An interesting caution in defences is illegality. This is where the claimant himself has committed a crime in relation to the claim that he himself is claiming, the defense of illegality might apply against him. So, for instance, in Valino, the claimant was actually escaping arrest, escaping custody by police officers, and he jumped off his own window. So he claimed damages from the police for not, quote-unquote, stopping him from jumping off. As I said, it's an interesting case. Have a look at it. The final defense that we're going to look at is Voluntai. Or to be accurate, Voluntai non-fit injuria. Basically, what Voluntai states is, where the claimant was aware and voluntarily took part in the activity which caused the purported tort, he or she might not be afforded a claim by way of a defense by the defendant of Voluntai. Now, in Kirkham and Chief Constable of Greater Manchester, which was an unfortunate case of suicide by a person in custody. It was decided on different facts, but what was stated was, where consent is freely given and the person who gave consent was mentally capable of giving it, there is assumption that voluntary exists as a defense. An appropriate instance where voluntary can be used is in relation to sports, as seen in Sims and Lee Rugby and Football Club. However, this does not extend to situations where players play outside of the rules, as in Smolden and Whitworth, or outside tacit rules, as in Blake and Galloway. So what are these extensions? Where it comes to outside of the actual rules, the official rules of football or rugby or whatever sport that they are playing, if it's outside those rules, Voluntai does not apply. The next area, the final area that we're going to look at in relation to negligence is the burden of proof and prima facie it falls on the claimant as in it's the claimant's job to bring to court evidence as to a tort having been committed by the defendant but like many other aspects of law there are exceptions to this rule an interesting principle in relation to the tort of negligence is the res ipsa principle basically what this principle states is where there is no other direct evidence and No other means of it occurring, but the way it occurred by the defendant, there is no need of specific proof, and the burden need not fall on the claimant. Now that's a mouthful, and it seems quite complicated. But what it states is, where the situation was under the control of the defendant, and there were no other intervening event, it is most likely the negligence which falls on the defendant. Now, an interesting case in this regard was Mahon and Osborne. Have a look at it in the case summaries. And it's a very good example to state where recipes or locutor fits in. Another exception to the burden of proof in relation to the claimant is where the defendant himself has committed a crime in relation to the case being brought about to court. That can become admissible evidence against the defendant himself. So that was negligence. We looked at duty of care, breach, causation, remoteness, damage, defenses and proof. Next, we're going to look at vicarious liability and employer's liability. Two sections we're going to look at together purely because they go hand in hand.